0: We're going to read today from First Peter chapter two a message I've entitled Get It Done. We've prepared some question or some discussion starters. The conclusion of the message this morning, I believe Brother Kenny will come and lead us in a discussion. And these, uh, these questions might, might help you give some thought as we go through the reading today for that time of discussion. The last question, of course, being pretty open-ended, if you can't come up with some discussion out of that. So first of all, what is the chief end of man? Now I'm going to tell you right up front Ben and Christina's little children can answer that question already. So you don't want to get that one wrong. They will laugh at you. Secondly, what is the relationship between the conduct of Christians and the glory of God? And then thirdly, what impresses you most about today's Bible text? Questions that will help us discuss these things in a manner that can be both informative and helpful to you and to others as well. So perhaps you're already aware but the first question in that which is known as the shorter catechism, which has nothing to do by the way with being a very short thing, Uh, the first question is what is the chief end of man? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We're going to read this morning from 1 Peter chapter 2. As centuries, millennia ago, before the shorter catechism was ever conceived, the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to write for us to receive the path to fulfilling God's purpose or fulfilling the chief end of man. We begin reading in First Peter chapter 2 at verse 9 because y'all would not stay here if I read the whole Bible to you. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now little Baptist about this big, I've always loved this passage. There is so much more here. Unfortunately, there's a, a popular idea, popular because it's, it's widely held, widely accepted, the idea that you get baptized and then when you die, you go to heaven. Now, now some... Some will add a little bit more. Some want you to to walk the aisle and shake the preacher's hand, have the church vote on you, put your name on a roll. Some would would want you to have the Lord's Supper. Some would want you to complete a, a catechism. Some expect you to go to Sunday school. But the fundamental, the the baseline is you get baptized, when you die, you go to heaven. The really, in my mind, unfortunate thing about this very popular idea is that there is so much more. There is so much more. There is so much more that that God in Christ has done for His people. Those who will know His glory in that home we call heaven. So much more. For in Christ, you, you, those who have come to Christ, those who have accepted in faith salvation by the, the name of the Son of God, you are a, a chosen race. Now in this whole litany, this whole list, is, this is just the beginning of the description of, of those who will glorify God, will accomplish, fulfill the chief end of man. These are, first of all, chosen. And it is God who has chosen them. And God has been in the choosing business for a very long time. God has always chosen people for His glory from the very beginning. He chose Adam and Eve to be the progenitors of all people. He chose Abel as the example of genuine true worship. He chose Noah as the type of one who would save his people from his wrath against sin. He chose Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to be the fathers of his people. He chose Israel to represent him before the world. He chose the prophets to communicate his word. He chose the judges, and he chose David to be king. In the fullness of time, He chose to send his Son to be Savior and Lord. Jesus very pointedly said that he chose his disciples. He said to them, I have chosen you. You did not choose me. And when Christ had ascended to the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. And while many are called, few are chosen. <coughs> Excuse me. Praise God, we have in Romans 8.30, those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. God has exercised His prerogative throughout all time to choose those He will glorify to His glory. I have to say that again. God has always exercised His prerogative to choose those He will glorify to His glory so much more than you get baptized and go to heaven when you die. Those he has chosen then are a chosen race. People unlike other people. People uniquely identifiable as a race apart. A race chosen by God. Moreover, this chosen race is a royal priesthood. I so want you to embrace this. I want you to receive the understanding and and, and be what God has made you to be, a royal priesthood. Royal that, that those in Christ have been adopted into the family of God, called brothers of the King of Kings. and they will reign with Him forever and ever. A royal priesthood. Priests who offer to sinners the sufficient sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Priests who wave before the people the offering that fully atones for their sin. Priests who lead in worship the Alpha and the Omega, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. You, in Christ, have been made a royal priesthood. Royal to reign with Him. Priest to proclaim His sacrifice, His salvation, to His glory. Moreover, this chosen race, this royal priesthood, is a holy nation. Created by God, a nation holy unto Him. Made holy by Him. Set apart. Cleansed of all unrighteousness. Washed in the blood of the Lamb a holy nation that sings, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. You in Christ have been made a holy nation, set apart for Him, His people. This chosen race, this royal priesthood, this holy nation, is a people possessed. A people of His own possession, the Scripture says. A pretty emphatic statement. A people of His own possession. A people that are His possession for He he truly bought us. He bought us with a price. He bought us with a very heavy price. And how our hearts must leap within our breast to hear that we are possessed by God. That we are His. That we belong to Him. We're not our own. We belong to the Almighty. Christina told the the girls that if anybody else jumped up and shouted this morning, they could too. So I understand if you want to be a little bit reserved. But certainly if he was ever going to shout, that's a place right there. Glory to God. He has bought us. He has bought us out of our sin. He has purchased us from slavery to sin. And he purchased us with the blood of his Son redeemed us from slavery. We are His. We are His to proclaim His excellencies. He paid that heavy price for a purpose toward an end. He paid that price that there would be a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession that would proclaim His excellencies. No! No! You don't just get baptized and then go to heaven when you die. We are called into the salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, and the gift of eternal life for God's own purpose. We are His possession, for His purpose, for His glory. To proclaim His excellencies. How could you but proclaim the excellencies of the one who saved you from eternal damnation and hell the wrath of God against our sins how can we but proclaim the excellencies of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light certainly it is by his grace And yet, what a great sense of debt. What a great sense of debt we encounter. What a great sense of debt is owed for having lifted us out of the darkness, the darkness of sin, the darkness of a sinful life. Having saved us from the power of this present darkness, having saved us from the gloomy darkness of the judgment which is to come this is a marvelously wonderful act of grace on god's part by god's initiative for in darkness for in darkness you, you cannot see in darkness, you, you, you cannot see, you cannot understand, you cannot receive God's Word. 1 Corinthians 1.18, I think we have that up. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to, to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Understand that there is no salvation until God illuminates our hearts, until God illuminates our minds, until we see, receive the light of heaven, if you will, that gives us then to see, to hear, to receive, to accept, to know that God has accomplished all that is necessary for our salvation. It is only in the light to which God has called us that we might know we have a Savior. To those unbelievers, and I certainly encounter this everywhere all the time in darkness, in unbelief, the Word of God is so much foolishness. How tragic. And yet, without being called into the light, for them the word of the cross is folly, is foolishness, and will not be received. How could you but proclaim the excellency? of the one who has called you out of darkness and given you the light, the light of his word, the light of his spirit, the light to know that in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we have a Savior. He has called us into this marvelous light, light that illuminates our once darkened hearts that we can see the wisdom of light that makes us see His truth, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, I, I read this morning from this text in 1 Peter, and, and I've, I've given you a number of quotes. But, but really, I, I, you, this is a truth that is proclaim to us throughout scripture. This is not this is not a, a particular verse, particular passage that, that just says this here. This is throughout scripture, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Proclaim his excellencies. Proclaim his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Once not a people, now God's people. Once without grace, now receiving grace. This entire recitation of all that God in His mercy and in His grace has done for His people, is set before us to to lead us, to inspire us, to motivate us in the purpose for which God has accomplished these blessings. What is the chief end of man? We're here but for a while. Sojourners and exiles sojourners means you're just passing through exiles mean you're not at home you're not in your country we're here but for a while the old gospel quartet used to sing this world is not my home i'm just a passing through we endure we persevere but for a short while. We can endure. We can persevere. For we have a a home, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. We're here but for a while. Sojourners and exiles. This world is not our home. Therefore, abstain, from passions of the flesh. Abstain from those sins that so easily beset us. Pride, greed, lying, jealousy, envy, hatred, unforgiveness, sexual immorality. Abstain from passions of the flesh, those sins that so easily beset us. And of course, the list that I read was my list. And Ben knows why the list started with pride. He, uh, he catches me on that one occasionally. Sins that so easily beset us. Temptations that sneak up on us, take hold of us. One preacher said sin always takes you further than you intended to go. It always keeps you longer than you intended to stay. Sin always costs you more than you intended to pay. We're only here for a while in the span of eternity. Persevere, endure, abstain from those passions of the flesh, the sins which so easily beset us. Abstain. Don't do it. Stay away, far away. For it is sin that wages war against your soul. Abstain. Sin wars against your soul. It tears you down when God is wanting to build you up.
1: Do you hear that?
0: It is that sin that's tearing you down when it is God's purpose, God's goal, God's desire you would be built up in Him. Abstain from those passions of the flesh. Passions that when indulged become searing heat, demanding ever more stoking, building a fire within you that will supplant the sanctifying work of God. Once again, a an idea that we encounter throughout Scripture. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. You got that one? You ever made bread at home? You just just put a little yeast in, come back a couple hours later, and that whole thing be blowed up. You could punch it down, wait a little bit longer, come, whoop, Right? See, how did that little bit of yeast do that? Of course, the idea is to understand. There's no such thing as a little sin. That little sin that that you want to call, that we want to call, just, just a little transgression, a little sin, It's disobedience to God. It's an offense to God. It's an insult to God. And it's yeast, it's leaven in your life. And it will blow up within you. We're here, but for a while. We will be made sinless. Abstain. You can do it. Persevere. In view of all that God has done, in view of all that God has promised, in trust, in faith, in obedience, abstain. Walk by the Spirit, the Bible says. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Can you take that in? Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That work of the Spirit of God, that that sanctifying, cleansing, calling, convicting work of God the Holy Spirit, Pay heed. Our passage tells us, then keep your conduct amongst the Gentiles honorable. Gentiles were those that were not Israel in the Old Testament. There was the the, the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, and then anybody that was not belonging to the 12 tribes of Israel were... Everybody else was Gentiles outside of the chosen people of God. In the New Testament, the people of God are now known as the church, the ecclesia, those who have been called out. And so now when Gentiles are... Spoken of it as those who are outside of the body of Christ, unbelievers. And so our statement is here is keep your conduct amongst unbelievers, keep your conduct amongst the world honorable. Amen. You see, they they know, they know we're hypocrites just love it when our conduct proves it they can't wait to write that newspaper that newspaper headline hypocrite you say you say you're so good you think you think you're so righteous nanner, nanner, nanner. look what you did yeah and you're one of the you're one of the big dogs you're one of the head ones yeah you can't believe none of it. You can't believe it. it's all a bunch of phony. Because look at here. see what he did? See what she did? Don't they love it? Can't wait keep your Keep your conduct honorable amongst unbelievers. Keep your conduct honorable for the glory of God. Keep your conduct honorable before unbelievers for the glory of God. Put on your royal robes. You are a royal priesthood. Accept, acknowledge, live like royalty in the family of God. Put on your priestly garb. Be the priest before God. Be the priest before the world. Be the priest that proclaims the excellencies of the one who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. Be the priest. Be the priest who proclaims to the world That Jesus Christ has come come in the flesh to seek and to save those who are lost. Put on your priestly garb before the world that would proclaim the sufficiency, the fullness, the completion of the work of salvation on the cross of Calvary. Be the priest the priest of Jesus Christ who proclaims his truth proclaim the sovereign god who chose you don't be a hypocrite don't don't be walking around pointing to look at me i'm i'm a good christian That's not your goal. Remember where we started? Remember what your purpose is? What's the chief end of man? It ain't to glorify you, it's not to glorify me, it's not to glorify any of us. Don't look at me, look at Christ in me, not my righteousness but the righteousness of Christ that would shine through. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 and 7. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Jars of clay. Treasure. What's the treasure? It is the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, and and you and I are the jars, we're the jars of clay. Ain't nothing to look at, right? Just an old clay jar. But if you look inside, if you look inside, what a glory, what a wonderful experience. What a wonderful thing of the the light of God that shines forth out of this jar of clay that reveals the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. No. Be quick. Be quick to let everyone know, I know I'm a sinner. I know I fall short. I know I'm not living up to your standard. Can't. But I know I have a Savior. I know that Jesus Christ is my Lord. I know that I have received His salvation and I live in His righteousness. Wouldn't you like to know that you could live in His righteousness? Don't hide your your light under a basket. Isn't that what Jesus said? Don't hide your light under a basket. Do you want the thing? Don't hide your light under a basket. <clears throat> Let your light so shine before men that they may see Christ. That's what he went on to say. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. You can look at me so long as you see Christ in me. God's wisdom. This is wonderful. God's wisdom is plainly revealed in his people. God's wisdom this is, this is so marvelous to me. God's wisdom is plainly revealed in his people. Ephesians 3.10. So that through the church, the ecclesia, right? Those who are called out. So that through the church, the manifold... Now, who here is, is a mechanic? Uh, who, who's really familiar with... Mechanical things. What's the word manifold mean? It means it's got a lot of outlets. A lot of inlets, a lot of outlets. A lot. And that's what's being said here. That's the reason the, manifold, the word manifold is used. The great, the big, the many outlets, wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities. The wisdom of God is plainly seen in those whom he has called into his salvation. I always put it that when Michael and Gabriel and other angels are sitting around the coffee lounge bragging on things they've accomplished, And Jesus walks in and listens for a minute. He says, I can top that. And he points to his people. He points to you and I. He says, I saved him. I said, no, not him. Yeah. I forgave him of his sins. I've given him life. He's covered in my righteousness. And you know what? Michael and Gabriel and all those angels, they fall on their faces. The manifold wisdom of God, plainly seen in those whom he has called into his salvation. Hallelujah. Praise God. when you have a job, a job that you've trained for, a job for which you obviously have talent, ability, skill, a job that it's as if you were made for it. You, you go to work in the morning walking on air. Not a burden, not drudgery, Doing that job is a joy. I was talking with my daughter yesterday, and she was talking about her daughter has a job there, uh, where they live. And one of the things she said, she enjoys her work. Boy, that blessed my heart. It's so good to know she enjoys her work. When you're, when you're doing that job that you, you trained, you have ability, skill, talent, the job is a joy. It's satisfying. It's fulfilling. Such is the case. Are you hearing this? Such is the case for those who are in Christ. Living a life to glorify him. To glorify his marvelous name living a life to shine His light into the world. Not, not a burden, not drudgery, not, oh, no, do I have to, but a joy, a joy. And so it is that we fulfill God's purpose for us with joy. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and following, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Will you bow with me? Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the light that you have shown into our lives. Thank you for the gift of your word where we might know your truth, we might hear your calling, we might receive your blessings. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit that grants to us illumination, that grants to us us the ears to hear and hearts to receive. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to be our Savior. Thank you for the forgiveness of sin. Thank you for the hope of life eternal. And may you, O God, continue to bring conviction, continue to call us up, O Lord, continue to, to wash us and sanctify us, for your purpose, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I would be delighted to discuss these things with you further at your convenience. Or if perhaps you'd be more comfortable with Brother Kenny or Pastor Ben, they would certainly likewise be delighted to talk with you.